This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Coming up, Subversity with Dan Zhang. The opinions expressed on the upcoming show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. This is Dan Zhang with Subversity. Uh, Today we're going to be tackling a controversial issue, um, the issue of Yowie in fandom, and fandom, the globalization of Yowie and um, what is also called Boys Love uh, Manga. And with us on the show is um, Mark McCary, the editor of a new anthology uh, called Boys Love Manga from McFarlane Press. Uh, Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Happy to be here. Hey, great. Uh, Right now we have you on the line, and uh, I was wondering if you could explain to our listeners why you compiled this anthology. Well, I was um, attending a show, an event called YowieCon, in uh, just south of San Francisco in 2006, and um, I met a couple of other scholars there. And at one point, we just looked at one another and said, "Let's do a book." <laughs> it's a, a mutual shared interest in terms of uh, both um, being scholars and wanting to learn more about it and to research it, and also because the three of us are fans of it. We, we enjoy the genre. So was it easy to get uh, people to submit their materials on time? Um, it was easy to find a publisher. Um, <laughs> that, was the, that was the easiest part of all. Um, I just walked around at a, a conference called the Popular Culture Association and walked around to the publishers and asked them. I gave them a 30-second pitch, and almost all of them were interested in it. Um, the Getting a book out on time, you know how scholars are that's like herding cats. It was... You know, because of myself, uh, I can be slow. Um, we have uh, other people who are slow. So I should point out there, um, you know, are two co-editors uh, involved. I'm only one of three editors. Um, uh, Tony Levy, um, who is uh, taught at Portland State and is now retired, and Drew Pagliosotti, who is the um, professor of communication at uh, California Lutheran University. Um, so there were three of us. And um, it took time to find, um, you know, people who wanted to do it, and then, of course, it took time to, to get it done. Books are just a slow kind of a, of a thing. Yeah, really. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, actually impressed that you were able to get it up pretty fast, I think, uh, from when I heard about it. Um, so what is the um, – why do you think it's become such a phenomenon uh, globally? Well, that's a hard question. It's um, obviously become a, a phenomenon in Japan. Uh, it started in the uh, late 1960s, and it just mushroomed. I mean, it was just a really rapid growth. Um, there were a few manga that were pivotal, you know, markers of that growth, that where they were runaway bestsellers, and they're still in print today. Um, Kazuto Kinouta, um, Song of Wind and Tree, uh, Tomono Shinjo, Thomas's Heart, uh, other ones like like those. Um, how it got caught on in the West is a whole different story, and our book mostly focuses on on the West. And um, I can only talk about the U.S. and and this. The hypothesis I put together for the U.S. is that it got to start with the World Wide Web in um, about 1995, um, when the first uh, commercially successful browsers, um, you know, came out, and the uh, Cartoon Network um, that showed uh, Gundam Wing, uh, Gundam Wing, in English, um, about the year 2000, and then it just sort of mushroomed here in the U.S. Um, it is also popular in many other world regions, um, Europe, Latin America, 
um, certainly Asian um, regions, very popular in China and Korea, for example, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia. Um, so it just, um, you know, and I can't speak as much about the growth in those markets. I don't know exactly as much as they do, and they certainly work differently, and they had different influences, um, you know, than the ones in the U.S. Another writer in this collection is also in this, uh, is, has called in, and uh, welcome, Hope Donovan. Hi. Hi. Uh, it's uh, perfect timing because we were talking about how the phenomenon reached the United States, and in your chapter you talk about the uh, publishing uh, trends in the U.S., how that uh, captured uh, this phenomenon. Uh, what, who were the major presses that were involved at the time, at the beginning, and w- what's going on right now? Uh, there's a, a history of exchange between uh, Japan and the U.S. artistically, and particularly in comics, for uh, over a century. But uh, when you're talking about manga, at least as we know it today, uh, and anime as well, uh, there were some initial exchanges, mostly between um, fans who were interested in science fiction anime and uh, some some of the uh, Japanese companies. There was a little bit of a, a foray there to see if uh, fans could actually distribute some of the some of the titles at uh, conventions and whatnot, um, and then when we're talking about like the mid-80s or so, that's when actual U.S. publishing companies started to form. Um, you know, a lot of them formed out of people who were fans, who had been fans of the material, and they wanted to bring it to the country. So in the 80s, you had some companies like uh, Viz, who are now Viz Media, uh, Studio Proteus is another one, uh, a couple of companies, you know, started in the 80s, uh, but then by the uh, the early 2000s, a lot of other publishing companies started jumping into the market. You had Tokyo Pop, um, Dark Horse has been around for a while, but they got into the manga market. Um, and then the boys love publishers themselves, like DMP or Yaoi Press, uh, and Press later, although they don't actually do boys love titles. So, yeah, and if I could, if I could jump in, the uh, it works both ways because um, one of the the most, yeah, the single most influential person in manga and anime in Japan is a man named uh, Tezuko Samu. And Tezuko, well, he's dead now, but uh, Tezuko grew up uh, watching as a little boy watching Walt Disney uh, animation that his father had had brought into Japan in the 1930s, I think it was. So. Um, you know, and he became the stellar, the kamisama, the manga, you know, the the god of manga. He he became the single most influential person on on manga. So it's it's interesting how this stuff flows back and forth. And uh, you at I hope you you work at Tokyo Pop. I do. Uh, actually, I I uh, work for a number of manga companies now, uh, but you could say that I received my formal training at Tokyo Pop and still do work for them. Is is Mike Kylie still there? <laughs> yes, yes, actually, yes. I had him on the show when uh, they gave an award to a Orange County kid, uh, Hans Tsang, uh, um, back in 2003. And yes. He had founded um, an anime shop at the UCI bookshop where he was working, and then he later uh, migrated to Tokyo Pop. 
Interesting. Uh, I believe uh, Han Tseng that you mentioned uh, was also a prize winner on uh, Rising Stars of Manga. Right, that's what Which was, yep, yeah. which was the so Tokyo Pops theater program to create. Runner-up, yeah. Yeah. In 2003, I believe. Yeah. So we have an audio of that on our website at, uh, at KUCI.org slash tilde D-T-S-A-N-G. Uh, anyway, uh, back to the topic. Uh, we've been uh, talking about um, the development of Boys Love Manga. Um, is it wrong to call it y- Yaoi? Is Yaoi a subset of this? Well, let me, let's see if I can answer that and then, then maybe hope. Um, it is and it isn't. Um, Yaoi in, got its start in, in the word Yaoi is an acronym for Yamanashi, Ochinashi, Iminashi, um, no point, no climax, no meaning. Got its start in Japan by a group who, um, you know, uh, founded a, a, you know, launched a, a doshinshi, a fan manga, a fan-created manga, and they used the word yaoi in the title of their manga to indicate that this is just sort of like a, a frivolous kind of thing. But the word took hold in uh, in Japanese. Now it is more linked to the uh, fan manga, the doshinshi manga still, um, today, the, the manga that I mentioned earlier when we were first talking about this that started this whole thing were um, commercial manga. They were published um, commercially. What's evolved in outside of Japan is that yaoi has become the um, primary word um, for this, this fan activity um, in the U.S. Uh, and I've only been to a few European countries, but the ones I've been to, that's it's the word uh, used there. Um, Boys love is used in Japanese um, from English loan words. They take the English word boys love and then they just, you know, put that, transliterate that into Japanese as boys whatever. And that's the most, you know, if you go into a bookstore and, and you look for uh, boys love manga, you'll find the, the Kana characters um, for that or, or just the Roman characters, BL. Um, quite clearly, you know, marked, indicating this is a section where it is. These are the shelves that have it in in our store, uh, kind of a thing. But but the the cultural use um, uh, seems to have separated. Um, you know, where that boys love is more Japanese, and um, yaoi is is more Western. But obviously, you know, people, fans, and other people will use it. Um, you know, both ways in both places. Um, but it's just it seems the yaoi is more prevalent here. But hope I'm. <laughs> You tell me, Hope. What do you think? Uh, that's uh, that's exactly right. Uh, Yaoi sort of recognized as as a distinct uh, art form uh, by Americans when Yaoi was still the Japanese term. Boys' love is a relatively new term. Only in the past ten years or so has it been boys' love. Um, interestingly enough, that coincides with when boys' love started to really take off. As its own, uh, as its own genre, having more uh, published works, original published works in Japan. So I think uh, probably what happened was there was a need for a new marketing term for what this was to separate it from the uh, little bit less than legal fan comics, uh, um, you know, to become its own new genre of manga. I think. I think yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was thinking that um, in the stores, they seem to promote it different ways. I think Yaoi seems common in the U.S. stores. Um, the Kinokuniya in Costa Mesa, for instance, uh, here in Orange County, has a special table with all of it uh, stacked up. 
and displayed, and uh, they used to, I'm not sure if they still do, give discounts on certain days uh, for some of those um, special titles that are, have just come out. Yeah, the, the Kinokuniya in Japantown in San Francisco, when I last looked, and it's been a while now, had a, uh, a whole long row of shelves, and, and they divided it right down the middle, and half of them were Japanese language, and the other half were, you know, uh, titles that had been licensed and translated into English by you know, the companies that, that Hope had mentioned earlier. You know, I first found uh, Yaoi in uh, Hong Kong, selling on the streets by newsstand uh, newspaper vendors, and they would sell uh, Chinese versions of uh, Yaoi translated in, into uh, uh, Chinese characters, uh, traditional Chinese characters that were probably made in Taiwan, I think. And uh, the books were printed in Taiwan, probably. So that was maybe 10 years ago or so. Hmm. Uh, so it's, a, it's a definitely a global phenomenon. Uh, and how, do, how do, do you know, do you think the parents know what the kids are reading here in the U.S.? Are you asking me or Hope? Uh, either of you. <laughs> well, well, I think um, personally, I know when uh, when I was younger and there wasn't so much visibility for Boys Love, I I remember thinking, well, it's okay, you know, I've got this book, but no one's going to know what I'm what I'm reading because they're just going to think maybe this is like a straight romance, or maybe they'll think you know one of them's a girl or they're both girls or something. So uh, you know, for a parent who's not familiar with the medium. Others uh, could be reading it, or someone they know could be reading it, and you know, just because they're not familiar with the language, they might not understand what's going on. Mm, the reception, we're having problems with the reception. Um, hello. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I can. I'm. I'm. I can hear you guys fine. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. That's that's true. I think the parents may, may think of these as. Because some of the characters may be very femme, and maybe they think one of the person is actually a girl. Uh, so it's a male-female kind of um, story um, for, for an initiated. Uh, in some countries, I've noticed that they do shrink-wrap um, the manga, the yaoi manga. In uh, Malaysia, for instance, which is a very uh, Muslim, uh, a diverse country, but also Muslim, uh, a lot of Muslims there. They also sell it at the borders there. The borders folded in, not the borders, the, um, what do you call it, the, uh, what's the big store that chain that uh, folded in the U.S.? That's so Barnes & Noble? <laughs> no, no, they what? haven't folded. No, huh? the one that sold a lot of uh, alternative um, um, music and uh, alternative titles. Uh, um, I don't know. It's a big store. Anyway, it still exists ab- abroad and um, in Asia especially. And anyway, they, they were selling it in, in this store that we used to have in the U.S., and in uh, Kuala Lumpur, I believe. And well, uh, they, the titles were all shrink-wrapped. Well, they shrink-wrap it here, too, um, depending. If it's, depending. If, if it's a title, and Hope knows more about this than I do, but the title for um, o- you know, older people uh, you know, not, who are not children, um, you know, where it's restricted. You don't want to sell it to children. Uh, and, um, and they shrink-wrap it in Japan, too. Um, you know, depending, and I, I don't think it's that so much as other reasons, but um, a lot of the, the commercial manga and um, is shrink-wrapped, and, and so is the doujinshi. You buy, you know, these fan magazines, you can buy them in stores, and, and they tend to be shrink-wrapped, too. So it's uh, because that's aimed at adult audience, because of adult content? No, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case in Japan. I, I don't know the reason for shrink-wrapping it. Otherwise, um, you know, they may have other motives. 
I don't, at I don't least quite that. The, uh, at least in the U.S., uh, just because a title is boys' love does not mean that it's going to be shrink-wrapped. Only, only the mature-rated titles are shrink-wrapped in the U.S. How do they, are uh, they, is there a rating system? I would know. How would the book buyer know it's mature-rated? Uh, if you look on the back or front, uh, because some, I, I believe there was pressure from booksellers to also include this information on the front, ah. there will usually be a... Uh, a warning that says something along the lines of explicit content. And then a lot of publishers also have their own rating systems. There's not a uniform rating system, uh -huh. uh, but each company makes its own rating system, and, uh, you know, they'll rate it 18 plus or mature or whatever their particular terminology is. So, you know, just picking up the book and looking at it, you can tell if it's explicit or not because, you know, I think uh, publishers have always been pretty, well, maybe not always, but are definitely now very careful about making sure it's clear to the buyers what they're buying. You know, and the interesting, in, in Japan, it's it's not the case with commercial manga. There's no rating at all. Um, but in, at the, for the fan uh, manga, the doujinshi, there's a huge market called the comic market um, where they um, sell uh, the, uh, fans, will sell their doujinshi uh, to anybody who comes in over a three-day period twice a year, and it's, it gets five. It gets almost six hundred thousand people wow. e each time. It's a huge. It's one of the, Japan's biggest conventions, and they do have a rating system um, where the the artist is supposed to draw on the cover of her doujinshi if it is um, you know not suitable for children, um, and they generally comply and they they spot check you know, to see the, for compliance. But one uh, doujinshi I bought, the artist did not draw it on her cover. Instead, on page 18, she put a big warning in English <laughs> with the Roman, you know, warning in English, you know, pointing to her characters who are just beginning to, um, you know, kiss and, and then make out after that. Um, so she kind of subverted the, um, you know, that rating system. But they, they do that because the market is trying to respect the Tokyo Metropolitan uh, Ordinances and, and Japanese law. Um, you know, so so that it's a requirement for for them. But as I said, not not the commercial ones. Do they blur the genitalia? Mm, that's changing. Um, I have not seen they what they they de There's a, there used to be a law in Japan that uh, prohibited um, explicit uh, depictions, visual depictions, drawing or um, photographs of genitalia. Um, that law may be in effect, but it is falling into disuse. And so some of the commercial manga I bought and some of the um, uh, doshinshi, um, you know, depict more. They're, they're more explicit now um, than they used to be, um, which is quite interesting because there's also a market in Japan Japan, as you'd imagine, for um, gay male uh, pornography, and that is still strictly controlled. So women are creating these products that are, you know, much more um, explicit um, and selling them than, um, you know, companies are, you know, marketing products for men. And, and yet, you know, the women are, you know, talking about male homoeroticism. I mean, that's the focus of their product. So it's ironic that they're driving the discourse <laughs> in terms of, of that aspect of it. So in, in Japan, it's mainly made, uh, this genre is uh, aimed at uh, a female audience, female readership. 
But do you think that's the same around the world? Well, um, I'll, you know, hope can speak for the U.S. I'll, I'll say in other countries, I think that's still the case. Um, although even in Japan, I asked the editor of B-Boy Gold, uh, Iwamoto, I asked um, eight years ago. I asked her if um, you know how many of her, that is her B-Boy and B-Boy Gold are at that time were the largest circulation. Uh, Voice Love magazines in Japanese, and I asked her uh, how many of her readers were male, and she said 10%. Um, and what I found by talking to people, um, particularly gay male uh, guys, they they read it, they buy it and read it, and they're and they're, and they're not public about it. It's not marketed for them, but there's a significant large readership of of males uh, here, even though it's not you know nearly as much as females, and it's certainly not uh, out in the open in the U.S. Uh, in Japan. Uh, you said, I mean, readers here. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking. I'm thinking that I'm in Japan. So uh, I'll, I'll let I'll let Hope answer about the U.S. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think um, it's it's definitely true. You know, she said 10%. Um, I go to Yaoi Con every year, which is the event for boys love readers, and I would say you maybe would find a maximum of 20% of attendees there. Uh, there's definitely a, uh, I wouldn't say stigma, but it's kind of assumed that any most people who are into boys' love are female, that it is created by women for women. So uh, if there are gay male readers, and there are, uh, unfortunately they're just not included in in the communities, really, or if they are, um, you know, I, w- I would imagine it would be a little uh, a little hostile since, um, you know, it is usually by women for women. Is, is the depiction different from gay male um, um, erotica or, or fiction, then? Well, the storylines are different because the storylines focus on emotion, and the, the whole point—it's—it's it's, uh, you know, uh, Drew Pagliasotti, the co-editor of Boys Love Manga, along with me and, and, and Tony Levy, Drew um, believes that Yaoi properly belongs under the genre of romance, and yeah, I guess I, I, I think she's right um, that um, you know the the plot line is to get the two characters to connect or bond. That's the purpose of the story. Um, the sex and everything else depicted, the eroticism is, you know, part of the mix as it, you know, only as it serves to to get them together, uh, typically. Uh, again, not, not always. Um, and in that sense, it's very different than um, or what I would call conventional gay male pornography where the object is simply to have, to depict visually uh, two men uh, having sex. Um, that's not the case with uh, Yowie. But the, just, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I would say uh, there's there's also a difference there between uh, the doujinshi, the fan-made comics, and uh, the original series. I think it's far more common to find in doujinshi uh, just you know pure smut, if you will. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, yes. The the doujinshi are are um, some are very just impressionistic, and you know there's not not nearly the um, Amount of uh, uh, you know plot line than you know than there is in the commercial, in, in part because the she are necessarily short. The fans are not making money; they're producing this, they're getting them printed at their own expense. You know, they tend to be you know fairly slim volumes of you know I don't know what twenty some odd pages. Um, 
so yeah, and, and they and they yeah. I mean, the, 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 yeah. I think hope you're right. I think there's a real story involved, you know, in terms of plot with the commercial stuff. The doujinshi is just kind of impressionistic sometimes. They're just like uh, you know a poem or or something very short and and yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, I learned two new words uh, in Hope's article. Uh, you talk about the uh, demise of the the publishing of this because uh, due to was it a demise was a panel on this uh, and you you said at this panel on whether there was a demise demise of this uh, you attributed it to uh, scanlation and um, sub um, and fan sub. Uh, yeah. fan sub. Can you translate those two terms? I know there's a glossary in the book, so I looked it up. But maybe for sure. our listenership. Uh, well, those two uh, are are um, twins of each other. Actually, uh, scanlation is the practice of taking the original Japanese book or um, doujinshi and uh, scanning it. That's the scan part, and then the translation would be from translation. So it's basically uh, someone as a fan. Uh, recreating the book in English. They're translating it, localizing it. Um, and because we have powerful desktop software for publishing, pretty much anybody can do this. Uh, scanlation is the term for a fan-made translation. Uh, and fansub, it's, uh, it's similar, but it's for the video portion for anime. Oh. Uh, you have a fan who is doing subtitles, so that's where the fan and the sub come from. So a fan sub is someone who has the ability to, uh, you know, put subtitles on an episode of Japanese animation. Uh, and that, that's pretty much what those two terms are. And they're very well known uh, throughout, the, throughout the fan communities, and, you know, it's something that pretty much everyone will come in contact with if they're interested in, in manga or anime. So is, that a con- is there a conflict between the fandom uh, practice and the publishers trying to sell these uh, books or videos? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, a, lot of my, a lot of my essay focuses on that, or at least that's the, the core uh, behind it. Uh, I mean, because when someone is doing a scanlation or fan sub, the product they release is free. You don't pay for it. It's just uploaded somewhere on the Internet. Or, uh, you know, if you go back far enough in time, uh, it would be like a VHS tape that maybe somebody would send to you or you could get at a convention. So uh, what you have there is someone giving away for free what the industry depends on people paying for. So I, I think you can see how there might be a cost of interest there. Um, Has it affected, do you think it's affected sales then? This is the big question. Um, it, it certainly has. The question is how much. Uh-huh. And it's similar to if you look at uh, the effect of music download, music industry or video downloads on, on the movie industry. Um, there are some people who download who would never purchase the product. So um, there, it's not a total crossover that every... Every scanlation is stealing viewers. Um, also, there are things that are scanlated that would never be released in the U.S. because of their content or, you know. And the scanning is, the quality isn't as high, probably, huh? 
That is true. Uh, with scanlations, you can really run the gamut from something that is, is very professionally done, looks wonderful, um, or something that is pretty loose, image quality very low, translation is questionable. There's no quality control, really. Mm. Uh, and one of the reasons why scanlations have moved towards the lower quality is uh, the idea of um, like a speed scanlation because there are new chapters, especially of a shonen jump title like Naruto or Bleach, a lot of big titles, new chapters coming out every week, and U.S. fans want to read them as quickly as possible. And there's a lot of fans of those series. So um, there are, are speed scanners who will just do it as quickly as possible, put it up on a big hosting site, um, and, and it's speed that becomes the defining quality, not the actual, you know, quality of the page. And were there any attempts to crack down by the the industry? Yes. Um, although the industry and uh, the fans are generally fairly cooperative, I think uh, much more than you know, say, the way things went down with the industry, the music industry, and Napster, for instance. Right. Uh, there's a lot more cooperation between fans and industry in the manga and anime industries because a lot of the people in the industry were fans. They understand that mentality, and I think they're also aware that they can't really afford to alienate these people. Um, so what do you mean cooperation? The fact that uh, Stanley does continue, and uh, fan subs do continue, uh, one of the things this can do for the industry, and at least definitely traditionally did, when you're looking back in the, you know, around 2000 or before that, is make uh, people in the U.S. aware of what's coming out in Japan. Mm. So, uh, you know, if there's a scanlation something or a fan sub for something, you can learn about it, get excited about it, and then if it is licensed and released in the U.S., then you go buy it. So that's like free advertising. Um <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, you know, that's, that's, that's oh, yeah. the cooperative yeah. aspect. Yeah, and another kind of cooperation is that the publishers will go to YaoiCon and they'll ask, you know, what, they'll, they'll ask, and I've been there, you know, they'll say, what do you want us to do? You know, what volume do you want us to bring out next? And fans are vocal, <laughs> very vocal. They're not shy. They're not, <laughs> they, they make their voices loud and, and they get heard. And that's, you know, that's input for the publishers. Uh, we're talking on the Subversity Show here on KUCI. Uh, this is Dan Zhang. Uh, with us uh, is the uh, co-editor of this new collection, Boys Love Manga, from McFarland Press, uh, Mark McCary, and a contributor, um, Hope uh, Donovan. Um, Mark, I wanted to ask you about your analysis and your piece about um, how differences in viewing the material from... Uh, from, a, say, a Western perspective versus a Japanese perspective. In the West, uh, this whole issue of uh, teen sexuality has been kind of clouded by this uh, uh, kind of uh, perspective on abuse. And you mentioned something about that in your... You, you analyze that in your... In your yeah, yeah. I, I look at the discourses of uh, child sexual abuse um, in the West and uh, and in Japan, not in a direct scientific way, uh, but in a in a very um, you know kind of um, 
you know, from, from different, you know, from primarily um, uh, postmodern uh, gender theory, and 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 looking at the historical record, when I found that the, the these two most influential manga that I mentioned earlier, Tomo no Shinjo and uh, Kazito Kinouta, the the two mangaka, the two uh, uh, authors of these manga, they went together in August of um, don't know the year. I think it was sixty. Um, seven around there to a theater in Tokyo in the summer, and they saw a movie, a French movie, Les Amitiés Particuliers, by uh, an author, Roger Préchit. And uh, he had written a book uh, published in 1944. They made a movie, came out in 64. Uh, popular book in French. Um, so these two women saw this movie, and that inspired them. His work inspired them, and his work was a tale of a of two boys at a boarding school, a Catholic boarding school in France, who fell in love with each other, and as a result were um, uh, so uh, op- oppressed by the church that at the and I'm giving away the end of the book, so pardon me, but you'll, um, the, the reader concludes that the best option that one of these boys had was to commit suicide, which makes the reader complicit in this boy's death, and it's a very powerful uh, effect, and, and the author uses it very well, and so does in the movie, and that impressed that impressed these two women uh, who did these these two manga. Um, so what they did though was they took that and they t- they retold the story in a very different way, using their own characters, using their own ideas, using their own plot settings, but also using a different discourse. They didn't they did not have the same. Um, discourse of uh, abuse that you had in in France then and and now and here that you have in the West generally, um, they had a very different discourse um, that you know discourses that you know they were operating uh, in and, and under and with. So um, you know the the way they approach the uh, the relationships of uh, their protagonists and what happens to them and things that go on um, are done very very differently. So um, it's a different way of looking at uh, at the world. And what I conclude is that um, that the um, voice love genre is uh, potentially potentially um, a a um, an aid, a help to uh, young males. We've just had this rash of suicides of uh, young gay males, uh, just four recently that made headlines. But statistically, um, uh, gay. Uh, uh, teenagers um, commit, uh, and most, and and, the, and, my, and a lot of these are boys, uh, commit suicide at a rate of about uh, four times higher than their heterosexual identified peers. So it's um, it's a tragedy, it's a calamity that's passed, that's going on. And you know, this genre, in my view, is potentially helpful to them. Is it will allow them to explore, you know, their sexuality by reading about it. Um, you know, as opposed, you know, to other things. So, um, you know, I, I see it as something very, very useful. But um, the reason for doing this discourse analysis was because, um, you know, our discourses here in the West are, you know, Foucauldian discourses of, you know, subsuming this, of putting this kind of genre, you know, in this abuse uh, discourse. And if, and if that happens, um, and I don't it's going to, I don't know, but if it should happen, it'll foreclose, it'll cut off, you know, this potentially good thing uh, that could be for gay youth. So um, that's kind of the way I was looking at it. But when I when I went into, you know, reading this manga, I was just impressed by how 
<laughs> how different it is, um, you know, than stuff in the West, and it's just fascinating. And and the author is a very good. I mean, um, the, the manga that I looked at was Kazutoki no Uta, the Song of Wind and Tree, or poem. Uta means poem or Song of Wind and Tree. Um, you know, it's its own world. It just sets up this universe. And like any good story, you get into it, and you just want to follow where the author takes you. So it's it's good literature in, in its own right. Yeah, I, th- I, I read the, A Special Friendship, uh, which could be the translation in the U.S., uh, or maybe I got it in Hong Kong mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. I actually I didn't feel bad about, about the book, I mean, even mm-hmm. though it ended in tragedy. But mm-hmm. I think it was more, I was probably reading it like the way you were saying there were these new... Um, adaptations in Japan took it as a kind of affirming relationship between these two teenagers Mm -hmm. and um, so uh, I think you know so you're saying that uh, manga or boys love manga could be affirming for a gay teenager it could yeah potentially it could be it it could also be disaffirming too for some I mean you know everything always works both ways Um, but I think in general uh, and that's been some. And there's been some gay people, uh, gay men primarily, who have criticized um, uh, Yaoi, um, you know, because of its unrealistic, you know, depictions and its lack, you know, and its, you know, lack of criticizing homophobia and its lack of affirming a positive gay male identity. And you know, that is, those criticisms are irrelevant uh, according to the way and, and you know the reason and, and why you know boys love manga and Yaoi is what it is. I mean, it, you know, it's not to say that the, the people who create it and do it are, are deaf to it by any, by certainly not, you know, by no stretch. But it's just that, you know, what the what the genre is is just so totally out of the frame of, um, you know, this idea of gay male identity. Oh, they don't identify her. You're saying the characters in the manga. So well, there's actually no. You'll see some yaoi stories where they do, and you know, one will suffer homophobia, and you know, the other will help him and you know, comfort him, and, and which is a, a you know a very common trope of romance like that, uh, hurt comfort. Um, but generally, no, and especially in Japan, um, you know, I, I would say no. Um, you know, no. I mean, there's no discussion. It's not. It, it's a universe where the idea of being gay, you know, having an identity, and having you know. A distinct identity from the majority of society that doesn't seem to apply in most in most of the stuff I've read. It's that you know, oh, this guy likes other guys, and you know, that's that's just what it is. It's like a, a taste, I guess. If you like to eat uh, something, I suppose. Well, that and that also goes back to uniquely Japanese history. Um, the whole discourse of nanshoku or uh, shudo, um, you know, where the um, you know men had the ability to engage in a relationship with another male um, where it was a taste. It was very much something that, you know, they were men were expected to marry and have family. That had to happen. But apart from that, you know, they, they had autonomy to do what they wanted to do, uh, for better or worse. And, and in many cases it was worse, but in many cases it was, it was you know, liberatory too. Because they uh, were for them. male. Because they were male, absolutely. This is very much a, a male thing and, and um, a system that was, oppressive to women and oppressive to um, many other kinds of people, too. Well, uh, why this fascination among uh, Japanese housewives, I suppose, uh, to this genre? Are they bored? <laughs> it's a very I powerful think... fantasy, uh, you know, just, just like romance. It's, uh, it definitely allows, would allow them to uh, explore their, their own feelings of, of romance or also their own feelings of gender identity. Um, 
there are a lot of lesbians, actually, who are yeah. to uh, boys' love, which would seem surprising. But, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a genre that encourages people to be a bit more fluid, no matter what their orientation is. I mean, they're looking for something that they don't have in society, in their society, in their culture. And and the interesting thing to me is that it's the same here. <laughs> it's the same thing that there are, you know, as many you know women here who enjoy the genre, in 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 some part, and it's only some part, obviously, because um, everybody has different reasons. Um, you know, because they they like the idea of imagining this thing that doesn't exist in in the culture they they're in. But it'd be great if one could do a survey of uh, the readership here in the U.S. I know in your book somebody did some kind of survey, right? Of, of yeah, there's Comic-Con a, or, you know, we can't, yeah, a couple of surveys in yeah. the book. And, yeah, uh, did they find any relationship with real life? Uh, you know, gay people. How they? How they? Well, how they yeah. No, Drew Drew Pagliasotti did a survey in English, and uh, Varusca Savuco did one in Italian of about 800 people. Um, and I oh, yeah, I'd have to go look, but I just wrote it up for another uh, chapter, another book, but. Um, I, you know, it's like 12 percent of the of the 800 people responded were male, and um, you know they they enjoyed it because they they related to it as as a, a fantasy for them. Huh. And um, the other big common finding was that a, a very large number of people, you know, when they asked if you, are you heterosexual, they would say well, you know, and then they would say yes, but or you know. And they, and they would then make an accept, you know, they, they weren't strictly only heterosexual identified, you know, a large a large percentage. Yeah, uh, I was also interested in the book has uh, chapters, has a chapter on the reception in Indonesia, mm-hmm. which is a conservative, uh, um, you know, Muslim uh, country. And it kind of reflects what I found in Malaysia, that they were selling manga in the bookstores there and uh, quite openly. And uh, this kind of manga. Mm-hmm. And, um, do you uh, is is that unique, or do you think that's uh, that's similar to what happened in other places? That even though the society is so kind of against uh, depiction of sexuality in that way, uh, that it, the market is still there. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe hope. Do you want to try? Um, you know, the first thing to mind is that. Yeah, I think uh, in some ways, Boys Love is a very threatening introduction of uh, homosexuality. And I would think that probably even in more conservative areas uh, can make some inroads just because it's so non-threatening. The genre is non-threatening. Yeah, the, you know, it's, it's a comic book. It looks pretty. Um, you know, it, it looks very feminine sometimes so um feminine because the characters are more feminine or what yes yeah is was that deliberate because because women are drawing them um yeah probably it has to do with uh i mean since uh boys love did come from Yaoi mostly, which is, or not all the time, but, um, you know, it came from a movement that was very strong with female artists who were working in a style that was meant to appeal to girls. Uh, so it's in the roots of the artistic style. 
but also in general, just a lot of uh, a lot of anime and manga out there is very pretty. You have very attractive characters, um, even something that's an action series, you know, aimed towards testosterone. The characters will still be very aesthetically pleasing. So, um, you know, there's a very high chance that whatever characters you're looking for are going to be pretty. Do, 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 do gay activists criticize that for having this idealized uh, depiction? Some some people, I'm sure, criticize it, right? But what would be the response of the creators to this? That it doesn't have anything to do with reality? <laughs> Probably. Um, I know personally uh, there's a large fan art site in the U.S. called Yaoi Gallery, and there's a definite contingent of uh, frequently uh, gay male fans there who are just not interested in this pretty aesthetic. They're not interested in the in the bishonen, the pretty boy. Uh-huh. They they are they want to see muscles. They want to see <laughs> so-called like real real men. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, as with a lot of things involving anime and manga, at least in the U.S., your comments don't make it to the creators. Uh, there's a large distance between the fans and the people who are making the material in Japan. Uh, you know, that, that closes with the Internet. So there's some closure there, but, uh, you know, a lot of times whatever the fans are thinking is not is not getting back. How about homegrown, like uh, people here in the U.S. who are doing uh, the drawings? Do they, do they hew to the same kind of... Yes. Yeah. Uh, frequently they do. You know, they want to be recognized as working in that particular style, oh. which means adopting the aesthetics of that style as well. Yeah, but hope. But I've you know seen like you know some of the stuff PL Nunn has done, and and some of the other um, you know uh, early uh, U.S. Uh, or North American, I should say, uh, artists. It just seemed to me it looked visually very different than um, what I see in Japan. I'm um, not sure it's always intentional. Um, you have to figure that U.S. artists have an Western style in them, yeah. which is going to lead to a different looking aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, they're Bashonen, but they, they, you know, they look different. It's not Tom of Finland. <laughs> oh no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no bulging no. muscles there. No. no. Uh, not many. <laughs> so, how about in in? It was uh, did Tokyo Pop ever get in trouble for uh, publishing this in the U.S. Given uh, strict laws about uh, sexual depiction in in, uh, in in comics, even or in 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 the media? Um, to my knowledge, that has not been an issue. Uh, like I said, the ratings are very clear on the book. Ah. So you know, as long as those ratings are there. Tokyo Pop or any other publisher is, is uh, you know, they have some kind of protection. They aren't. They're trying to keep these books out of the hands of minors. They're trying very hard. Um, so that that has not, to my knowledge, been an issue for a publishing company in the U.S. I think sometimes in uh, bookstores they, they put them in the gay section. I've seen that. But sometimes they're just in the kids section. So, you know, it just varies. Uh, there's, uh, there's always been a, a kind of problem with manga in the bookstores. Where do you put it? <laughs> um, <laughs> because 
you you know you can go if they just have a general manga section and everything is there right. you know it's in alphabetical order unlike all the other in the bookstore it's not by author name it's not by genre it's just alphabetical order of the title right. uh, you know a lot of people aren't actually very familiar with authors unfortunately so they they know the title so that's the easiest way for people to find things oh, okay. um, but you know I think like you were hinting at that means that you'll have something aimed at eight-year-olds that could be right next to something aimed at 21 year olds so um, I've even said um, a stories uh, you know written stories that are similar in the same genre uh, that are, uh, you know, text. Is that, does Tokyo Pop put out that kind of, or is it from some other publisher? Uh, some other publishers uh, have released the so-called manga novels or light novels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not a whole lot. I, I believe it was BP that did them. Um, although I may be wrong about that. Uh, but there, there's not too many of them. There's, there's. I should yeah. say there's. There are publishers, people who self-publish, and and, act, and publishers, actual publishers, who publish in uh, PDF, Adobe PDF, oh, right. uh, and and sell it on the internet, um, and um, and these can be novels, you know, that may have, you know, one or two, um, three, four illustrations, or sometimes no illustrations, um, you know, in some cases they were derived from Japanese influences somehow, and in other cases not. Yet those authors will go to Yaoi-Con and, and sell their books there because they're romances also, they're male-male romances, and, and that is a genre. I mean, Harlequin is, is into it now, too. So, um, you know, it's, it's become, um, I, I think that's become a real increasingly important part of, of this. In the, in the collection that uh, you edited or you co-edited, did you try to explicitly leave out uh, sexually explicit uh, depictions? Um... It never came to it because what, as a collection, you're dependent upon your contributors to um, say, you know, here's my article and here's what I want to use to illustrate it. Um, you know, and we also entertain the idea of, you know, maybe we'll, we will receive, a, a, you know, a, 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 an essay that is in visual form only, although that didn't happen. Um, and, you know, I wondered what we would do. We, you know, we never got to um, that that bridge. I will say that I'm just um, finished, um, about to send off an essay for another book, and in that one I did want to use uh, an uh, ex- um, explicit illustration from a manga that's been translated, and uh, for fans, uh, you know, it's called Man's Best Friend, Inumo Arukeba. Um, it's popular manga in Japan and pop- commercial manga and popular manga here, and, um, you know, the editors thought about it, and they said, well, you know, we'd have to change it. And I said, no, no, yeah, I don't want, you know, I didn't want to tamper with the illustration. I'll just, you know, no illustration. I'll use another one. And, and I wrote around it. Um, so, you know, that was a concern there. We didn't, with our book, nobody presented us that kind of illustration, so we didn't get to it. I was, um, you know, you have to market a book in in other uh, world regions than just the um, Anglophone uh, West. And so you need to take that into account. Um, it is a scholarly book, right? I, I mean, I, uh, yes, but there know, was not everybody's a scholar, uh, or they are. You know, it, it is what it, you know. In, in whatever culture it, it it is, it's going to be what the culture makes of it, no matter what the people who authored it intended to be. So, yeah, it, it could be scholarly or anything, but if it's 
taken the wrong, you know, if somebody in some, you know, place decides that this is, um, you know, something they want to, they don't like, then, you know, so, you know, yeah, and it's, a, you know, it's one of those things, I mean. I'm surprised with all these kids reading uh, Yaoi and um, other manga that uh, it hasn't come up in, like, Banned Books Week or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like with, with Huck Finn and, and uh, um, you know, yeah. Maybe I, I, it has, and I just haven't. Uh, no, I, I, it hasn't. I, I, I look at the Banned Books, you know, every time that story comes out once a year. Um, so far it hasn't. Um, at some point it may. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, the New York Times had an article about a library in New York City in the public library system encouraging reading, and right mm-hmm. there on, on the table in the illustration was how to draw you know, uh, Yaoi manga. (laughs) Oh, front and center of the image, yeah. You know, so it hasn't happened yet, but it may. (laughs) Maybe people don't know what Yaoi stands for. Well, um, hopefully they'll read our book and find out, or find out a little bit about it. I mean... (sighs) So, um, uh, Hope, uh, do you have have, uh, a vision of uh, it expanding in America, or is it... Or has this, uh, uh, what do you call it, scanlation thing uh, led to people, uh, publishers, uh, backing off? Uh, I think what, what we'll be looking at in the, in the best-case scenario here is, is more cooperation. Mm. Um, you know, publishers, at least in terms of, of what they can do, have made it much more uh, affordable and also quicker to download stuff. Uh, you know, you can get anime on Hulu now. You can get it uh, downloaded from the company websites. So they've made it easier to get. So that is something that encourages people to support the industry. Um, and then as far as the fans go, you know, they're, it's, it's just keeping up that mentality that you do want to support the industry. You do want these things to still be available. And scanlation groups have always had the policy of ceasing distribution if something's been licensed. And most, most groups do adhere to that. So uh, keeping those, those uh, <laughs> fan morals in place is, is definitely uh, one thing that needs to happen in addition to the content being more available. You know, yeah, I, you know, I, I think every fan, I mean, at least speaking for myself as a fan, I want more and more choice and more things. And, and the last thing I want to do is to do something that might hurt part of the industry or, or hurt, you know, part of the, you know, people who are bringing me this stuff. So, um, and, and that seems to be the attitude I see among other fans, that, you know, you, you want to be responsible. Well, on that note, uh, I'm afraid we have to uh, end this interview. Uh, thank you, Mark McCary and Hope Donovan. Uh, contributors and uh, a editor an editor to this new collection of essays on boys love manga about yaoi um, thank you very much all right thanks Been a thank, pleasure. You. thank you thank you this is dan sung from uh, subversity here on kuci 88.9 fm in irvine the opinions expressed on the show were not necessarily those of the regents of the university of california nor the management of kuci